I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, but full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Pride Will Takes Podcast. As always, it's your boy Pride, and I have a guest. I, from this moment on, I will never we're not referring to this man as Jason anymore. He is my CM Punk of college basketball. He is the voice of the voiceless. And if you disagree with him, face his wrath, and afterwards, you will apologize. The man, the myth, the legend. Jace, how are you doing today, my guy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, and I love that intro. Bro, look, man. When 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 you I remember on Twitter you said I'm the CM Punk of college bat, uh, college football. When I heard that in my mind, I refused to call you anything else. Like from now on, you are my CM Punk. So okay. from now on, if, if you guys ever hear me say, "Oh, Punk said this," I'm talking about Jace. But speaking of college bat, uh, college football, right around the corner from from what some people are calling a very highly anticipated season. Playoffs are on the, the we're right around the corner from the playoffs. A lot of guys are throwing out their rankings and whatnot. So, Jace, you are a man who's very intelligent when it comes to the college football playoffs. Let me know your top five heading into the season. Well, right now, top five, number five, you got to have Bama with that one loss to uh, to Texas A&M. They were unranked at the time. I said building up to that game that Texas A&M's defense was going to cause them problems. It did. Bryce Young, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He he's good. He's young, but he he's gonna have some tough. Te- he's gonna I, he's gonna struggle against some of those defenses as we saw against Texas A&M. And if they handle their business, they're gonna have to meet Georgia in the college football playoff. And with that one loss already, I, I think they're on the outside looking in. They obviously have great talent. Uh, Jamison Williams, the transfer from Ohio State. You transfer from Ohio State to come to Alabama and you're the star wide receiver at Alabama. That shows you how good Ohio State is at wide receiver. But, uh, yeah, Alabama, they're great. They have that one loss now. Uh, I, I think they're just on the outside looking in. But the way politics is with college uh, football, I can see them sneaking in. Yeah, as long as long as they remain just that one loss, you know. Yeah. A lot of times, if when it when when you start getting to it, there's a lot of teams that usually only have one loss, and like you said, the politics do kind of play into it. So, in terms for me, I I do have Bama at five as well. Like not, for everything you said, of course, the thing is usually every year it's usually top heavy, right? And of all the top heavy teams, it sucks to say Bama is. I don't want to say they're the worst because it makes it seem like they're trash, but. Of all of them, they're they're kind of the least heaviest, if that makes any sense whatsoever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, solid teams. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean they're they're they lost a lot last year. I mean that team last year was stacked. Uh, I mean they're still good. That they still are. I mean they're still Alabama. Don't get me wrong, but even if they get two losses, uh, with how crazy this season has been. They still might be able to get in. You know, since week one, we're averaging five top 25 teams losing every week. So 
madness is ensuing. So I wouldn't even be surprised if a two-loss Alabama team could get into the college football playoff, to be honest. 100%. And with the offense, like I'm looking at it now, and they have scored at least 30 points in every single game. Even when they lost, they had, even when they lost, they scored, if I'm going to say it was 30, I'm checking it right now because I want to make sure I want to say that it was the right amount. Yeah, so they scored 41 in the loss LSU. So the fact that they're still being a high-powered offense and you're still scoring a lot, I feel like that could definitely kind of, kind of keep them in there. But I'm I'm with you in terms of having Bama at five. Our, our top five is kind of the same for the most part. There is one difference. But, you know, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, who's your number four? Number four, as of right now, Michigan, uh, still undefeated. Uh, they have it, – it's weird because the Big Ten ever is very top-heavy right now because those teams really haven't played each other. You got the Penn States, you got the Ohio States, you got the Michigan States and Michigan all right there. Someone's going to, in the next coming weeks, someone's going to take a hold of that crown. And I don't know if it is going to be Michigan. I just have them at four right here because they have shown, they everyone counted them out. Everyone thought Harbaugh was on the outs. This was going to be a terrible season for them. They've stepped up to the plate. And out of all of those teams that I mentioned, those four teams, they have probably one of the best wins in a Western Michigan. Western Michigan's played really great football this year, yeah. and they beat they beat Pitt. And I, uh, I mean, yes, Penn State did beat Auburn. That's another good win, but they also have that loss. I'm just giving the nod to the undefeated team with the best win here. So that's why I have Michigan here. But I am still I, like on uh, all four downs, our college football show. Uh, I've been chasing Michigan all year. I've been picking against them because we. I just expect Jim Harbaugh to have that letdown spot. But this t- this team has has been different than all other Harbaugh teams, and we'll see if they can get it done against Ohio State, which is the big, real, real test for Michigan. Yeah, the only pushback I have here, I, I have them at six for me. For me, at fourth, I put Ohio. For me, it was difficult between to put Ohio and Oklahoma. I kind of had them flip. I'm only reason I give Oklahoma the edge is because they're seven or no. They're undefeated. So I'm gonna give them a little bit of the edge. I do like Alabama. Their one loss, even though they dropped 28, it was the way they were playing. I don't want to say it was sloppy, but it, it, it looked off. Like it, it didn't look how they usually played. So, you know, the the loss, if I'm not mistaken, again, I, I just want to make sure I'm not saying this stuff wrong. Cause you know, with having you here, I need to be on my A game and I need to make sure I represent the college. Uh, so they lost to Texas AM. Um so again. Not bad. Again, this is these guys. I like them um, as long as Bama can stick to how they play. Again, it's just that one outlier game. Ever since then, you put them out there, they dominate. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go with them a little bit. But having Michigan at four, that's not buggy because that's my sixth team. Yeah. And again, like for you me, you said you had Ohio State there. Yeah, I got Ohio State at four. I like I I I get it. I mean, a lot of people have that. My one big thing with Ohio State, they have the best skill position. They've got the best wide receivers, yep. great running backs. But C.J. Stroud is so young, and that defense is so young. that, And in their only real test so far against Oregon, they struggled. And also, I think the Michigan States, the Penn States, and and Michigan, I think they all match up well because of that inexperience and that youth in the, the big positions that uh, 
Ohio State has. The real key to that Oregon win against Ohio State was their ability to run the football and with multiple backs. Yep. Kenneth Walker for Michigan State, he's the best running back in the nation right now. So he's going to give them problems. Michigan, they pound the football. And also that defense is stifling. So I, 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 I get it. Ohio State's great. But I just think matchup-wise, they don't match up well with those people in the top. Yeah, which, I, I, again, I, like I said, I don't really blame you. I know um, Ohio and Michigan are going to play each other in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be one of that. It, as long as everyone kind of keeps on the same trajectory, that would probably be, you know, a, a deal-breaker game. But I, I just want to correct myself because I misspoke. I said that they had lost to Texas A&M. I'm at Oregon. So I, I misspoke. Yeah. I just wanted to, to correct myself out there. Um, but you have a little dilemma when it comes to the number two, Jay. So, uh, no. Yeah, I have a tie at number two right now. I got Cincinnati and Oklahoma. Cincinnati, that's why I'm the CM Punk of of college football is Cincinnati. Because I was the I was on them last year. They should have got into the college football playoff last year. Everyone wants to say this and that about the power five. It doesn't matter. They're a good football team. I said that defense could hang with anyone it last year. And they did when they went to the bowl game and, and they played a good Georgia team. That these two teams, Georgia and Cincinnati, they're the same team that we saw in that bowl game, and that was a very close competitive game. So Cincinnati's legit, and I, I love them so much, and this was really hard for me to do, to make this a tie, because I hate Oklahoma. I do not like Oklahoma. I don't even know why. I'm not a Big 12 guy. I don't like Texas. I mean, I'm I'm okay with Texas. I'm not a Texas fan. I, I'm not an Ohio, Oklahoma State fan. I just hate Oklahoma. But from what I saw in the Texas game, Spencer Radler, we all thought Spencer Radler was going to be great. And he's really good. He's got the talent there. It's it's a character thing. It's a He gets panicked. He tries to force stuff. And the big thing for me was that showed in that Texas game when that the backup Caleb Williams came in, the lack of leadership that Spencer Radler had. Caleb Williams came in. He runs, uh, I think it was like a 60-yard touchdown, first play, and Spencer Radler doesn't even dap him up, doesn't even say anything. He just stays off to the side by the head coach, does his own thing. And Caleb Williams, that this new kid coming in, freshman, the, he has the leadership. He has all the intangibles. There's a reason the whole student section a couple weeks ago uh, against West Virginia was saying, hey, give Caleb Williams the ball. Let's see him go. They, the, the student section for Oklahoma was bringing him in. And then also in that Texas game and last week, this kid is a leader. He doesn't just make the offense better. He's making the defense better. And that was the big problem. Everyone thought Oklahoma's defense was going to be leaps and bounds better than it has been in the in the uh, the past years coming into the season. They haven't shown it. They, they, they shut down the run game, but they haven't really shown it. But when Caleb Williams came in, they showed it. They showed how good this defense can actually be. And it, it was hard for me to make this a tie, but right now I just see them. I, I love this Caleb Williams kid. He's doing great things. He's got that leadership. So it was hard for me to, to differentiate between these two, but because I, I it's very, very hard because I hate Oklahoma and love since that was the hardest part for me. Before I give mine, um, by the way, I got the same two teams, but I'll, I'll 
I'll say my point in a minute. Uh, I want to touch on Spencer Rattler. You nailed it on the head. Everyone wanted him to be great. He's just very good. And what sucks about it is when you say a guy is really good, people think, oh, are you saying he can't get better? And that's not the case. Like, he needs time to get better. Now, like, just, I'm talking about period. Like, not even just at the collegiate level or anything like that. He needs to get better. And the things he needs to get better at are, frankly, the hardest things to get better. Like you said, leadership. Because I'm going to tell you right now, leadership goes a long way. Because think about it. If you're, if you're a nice leader, guess what? Guys are going to be willing to work with you. Derek Carr is not the best quarterback in the world. But guess what? His leadership is what makes Darren Waller want to work with him. It makes Hunter Renfro want to stay late and practice reps with you. You know what I mean? Like, so when you have that type of thing with Spencer, you know, I'm hoping he can get it together. It just seems more along the lines of he feels like he's kind of on a short leash. So he's he's kind of chilling by all the coaches to try to get on the good side so he can keep his job, especially considering like everyone's kind of calling for a change because not because Spencer's trash or anything, but it's because hey, who knows? We might have greener pastures over here. So I understand that. So, but in terms of having the tie, I get it. I have Oklahoma at three and Cincy at two. The only reason I'm with you, it is very difficult. Cincy beat a top 15 team in Notre Dame. Yeah. And Oklahoma hasn't beaten a, a top, I don't even think they even beat a top 25. Again, not say that they're garbage or anything like that, you know, but yeah. when when a team for me, when when it starts getting close and dicey, I start looking at the schedules. And I start saying, okay, you know, let's let's see the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, because again, this is very close. The only reason I have Cincy, if 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 Cincy had not beaten Notre Dame, if they played them and didn't beat them, I would have Oklahoma at two. And even and if they didn't play them at all, and they played some other one, someone else who's unranked, I would be there with you, and I would say that it's a tie. I'm gonna give Cincy a very faint advantage just because they beat a top 15 team in Notre Dame. So I'm gonna give them that 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 uh that little thing just you know what i mean just because at the because again a tie i i really want to call it that but then again when you beat a top 15 team and the other team has it it's kind of difficult for me to say yeah it's, it's kind of hard for me no, so yeah you know I, what i mean my i'm really what this is this is me basing two weeks of oklahoma mm-hmm. versus six weeks of Cincy. so i i, right, right, I right. get where you're coming from but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I'm fine either way, either way. Yeah, but as long as they're in the top three, I'm not arguing. Yeah. So the number one, which I believe is a consensus, Jays take it away. Yeah, it's Georgia. Their beast, that defense is smothering. It's destructive. Like any any adjective for a good defense, you can throw it on Georgia's because they are just beasts. And they are so, – I mean, even their offense is really good. I mean, you talk about – Ohio State has some great skill position guys. Georgia is right behind them. And the one thing that boggles my mind with Georgia is they're defeating these teams handily with two quarterbacks. JT Daniels is great, but he's banged up. And Stenson Bennett's coming in. He, he can't make those same plays JT Daniels can. But he's, service, he's serviceable enough, and he's getting it done – because that defense is so good. And, I, I mean, like, I, I don't see any way – yeah, I, I don't see any team really compete. It's hard. They've just smothered, demolished everyone, and they're just leaps and bounds above everyone right now, I think. 
hundred percent. I agree. I, I, like, like I said, I think, I think this is a thing where Georgia's one and everyone else is just desperately fighting for two Georgia's like offense and defense and special teams. They're just the best all around team. Like if you look at it top to bottom, they, and like you said, they're basically running with their backup quarterback. But the coaching staff understands that he's the backup, and instead of trying to make him go out and yo, you gotta, you you need to, you need to go set records. You need to instead of doing that, like they're not really putting that much pressure on the kid. They're really oh, not like they're like yo, look, um, um, uh, Stenston, Stet, Stenton. Yeah. I, it's it's crazy because his name is. I feel like there's two S's in there, but it's not. <laughs> um, Bennett. He's coming in, and their thing is, look, JT's out. Guess what? Your last name. It's not Daniels, so don't worry about it. And what they're doing is they're they're basically it's almost as if they're reinventing the system for for Bennett, which is which is weird because it's almost as if they somehow knew, yeah, JT's gonna go down. When he goes down, we got this little aces, and that's what it really looks like because you're seeing out there, and everyone still looks comfortable. No one's panicking. And what's nice about it is if you really watch them. They're not trying to compensate for the fact that their starter is gone. No, there's no really, if you look at it, there's no really compensation. They're more along the lines of, okay, look, here are your strengths, here are your weaknesses, let's play to your strengths, and let's make sure you can get we can get out of here with a dub. And it, it, it's working for them because if you if you can go out here and win with two quarterbacks, especially when you're it looks like you're I don't want to say reinventing the offense, but you're changing it enough for it's not yeah. what you had like before. That's kudos to not only the players, but also the coaching staff, because, you know, they're having something that the players can now go out and execute. And for these young guys to be able to go out and execute it, that that's that's a major props to them. So 100 percent, like, I'm, I'm there with you. I think right now it's Georgia at one and everyone else is just fighting for two at best. Yeah, I mean, I do think I mean, we saw the Cincy Georgia game last year in the bowl game. Since he with that Jerome Ford transfer from Alabama, I'm really excited to see. I hope that's the national championship because that would be another fun game to watch. But it, it, it's it's funny because last time Georgia got to the national championship, they lost to a Bama team that was running two quarterbacks with Jalen Hurts and Tua. So now you now you got Georgia running two quarterbacks following that Bama. Yeah, which is kind of funny, like you know what I mean. Like this, in in most recent years, this is frankly what people are calling the best chance for them to get to the championship, and it, they're kind of comparing it to the last time they went when they lost to dual quarterbacks. And now the question is being asked, which honestly, it, this is a question I kind of want to ask you: When JT comes back, do you think they should take a play out of Bama's book and run that dual quarterback, or do you think they should kind of just? Do what Minnesota did and run with the hot hand, even though at the time Teddy was a starter. They were like, we got Case Keenum. He's the hot hand. Should they do something like that? Or when he comes back, should they just give the job right back to JT? I think you got to give the job right back to JT. I love – Stenson Bennett's really good. He brings that mobility that JT doesn't. But when you're talking about, like, in situations like they're going to be in when they play most likely Alabama in the, in the conference championship – when they eventually get to the college football playoff, we, I think JT Daniels is just better suited to make those plays and uh, really dr- 
make those big plays against these big teams. Uh, I see Stetson Bennett while he can make plays with his legs. I see him more as a game manager and just not losing, which uh, either way you're set, you got this beast defense. So if your quarterback can just manage the game and not like give up like two interceptions and a fumble, the, the, then you're set either way. I, I don't see – it's really hard to see any any sort of crack in, in this Bulldogs armor right now. Yeah, and, and, and you said it right, especially with that defense. You you don't need the – which I feel like is a test is, – is a, is a thing for Bennett where he can come in and they're like, look, bro, you ain't got to do too much. You know, this isn't a situation where our defense is hurting and our, we are an offensive powerhouse. We're good on both sides of the ball. And you can even make the argument healthy. You can make the argument our defense is better. So it's not like the offense needs to carry this massive load and then at the same time drag the dead weight that is the defense. So I think that does help Bennett, which I think kind of is what makes him look a little better than what he is. I don't really think he's this good. I think he's solid. But I think the fact that you go out there, look, bro, we gonna, you know, we know what you're good at. We're going to go from there. Don't turn the ball over. Take what the defense gives you and go from there. And the fact that he's able to do that, it's nice. I do think what they should do. Now, I'm, I might sound a little corny here, but I would I would run dual offense, uh, dual quarterbacks. I would. Only because, only because, I mean, obviously, clearly, if if you're only going to do one, quarter, uh, one quarterback, I think JT should start. I don't think that's really a debate at all. But at the same time, Stetson does kind of give you a little extra element where if they could pull their cards right, they can kind of do a little thing with what the Saints do with Taysom Hill, where you kind of put them out there. And you know what I mean? Because, listen, like, I, I think he could fit well in that role. Obviously, JT will be the starter. But yeah. with his mobility and what's nice about it, his awareness with the ball, it's almost like he can sense when people are coming. So when he, with that sense, it's like – Maybe we should take advantage of it and also give him some, some you know, time on the field, do some Wildcats, maybe throw some cute little trick plays or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it'll work because they do have the personnel to do it, you know? Now, again, whether or not they would do it, that's fine. I think they'll be fine, for, even if they, if they just bring JT back and he's just a starter and that's it. I think they're going to be good regardless. You know, yeah. I just feel like if you add that little element where they got to have in the back of their mind, like, shit. We got to worry about Bennett coming. Like, yeah, he, he won't kill his arm, but his legs is kind of dangerous. I feel like that might add an element where, again, they're clearly the favorites. But if you add that uncertainty to any other defense, I feel like that will give them just a little bit extra advantage, which, as you know, Jace, come college football um, postseason, when it comes to the playoffs, you take any advantage you could possibly get. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. That would be interesting. But they need to do it more like the NFL teams are doing, like Taysom Hill uh, with the Saints and, and Trey Lance with the Niners. But uh, they can't do it like Notre Dame's doing it with Jack Cohn and Buckner. Every time Buckner comes in, you know that's a designed QB run. You, know, you got to be able to make some plays where Bennett is not just there to be another running back. He's got to be right. able – to, to throw the ball and set other stuff up. So yeah, yeah, I'd love to see it. I I, I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it, but it, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. It would be. I mean, what I would do if, if if it's a legit idea for them, I would have a game where you can just throw away. Because if like you know what I mean, like having one loss on your record won't really ruin your chances of making the playoffs in most instances, especially with Georgia and like you said with the politics. 
So maybe if this is something they're legit considering, have a game where they don't really care to win and then experiment and see how that works. You know what I mean? And then if it works, great. If not, oh, well. But again, that's if they have that legit, the legit thought of it. If they're kind of half and half on the idea, I would just abandon it completely because this is not something that you can just do, you know, in like the first game of, of the of the playoffs and expect it to then help you carry. You know, that this is something you need to work on in the regular season in practice. So come playoffs, it's good and you can just hit the ground running. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they play. But I think you and I both agree when JT comes back, it's it's it's, it's his job, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I just, I just want to make sure we agreed there because, you know, I'm, again, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I dropped out of high school. Not really. I got kicked out. I only graduated because of attendance. But I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. But speaking of stupidity, those pinstripes. I, look, man, at some point as a as a Red Sox fan, I love it. Oh, I love <laughs> it. I love it as a Red Sox fan. Look at look at this. Look at, this right here is when they first signed. Look at the happiness. Look at this. Roses and bubbles were going. This is him after they resigned him. This is the face of a man who just like who hates life. He regrets everything. He's like, I should have just. I wish I was a player again to not worry about this. They signed him to a three-year deal, which and the end of it, people want to say it's a four-year deal. It's a three-year deal, and then the last year is a club option. So that way, if the Yankees want to pick him up, it works. If not, whatever the case may be. But Jace, does this make any sense whatsoever? Um, see. I, I'm having the same problem with my Giants right now, and in New York sports fans, everyone wants to to just start firing, start hey, f- figure out who's who's pro- who's to blame and get rid of them. I, I do think in this instance, Boone is kind of to blame because it was it, it's been mostly a, a real energy thing for the Yankees this year, like. Uh, Ever like you have the studs, you have the talent there, but it's just putting it all together, getting the team riled up, getting them ready to go out there. It that was that was the issue that they come out flat, and I, I think Boone Boone isn't that guy. Boone was never that guy. He's an analyst guy. He's not a player manager. So I I know that there are rumors that they're, they're going to bring in an assistant to help with that. But I, I I I guess that'll be okay. But I mean Boone, he he's done all right. I mean if if the play the players are all right with him, I mean he isn't a players coach. But I mean it isn't like any of the players have said anything bad about him. But you do need that one lightning rod. You need that person to light a fire under the team. And Boone just isn't that. So. Yeah, I don't think it's a good move, but I can see what what they did. I can understand why they did what they did. Yeah, it's weird. So, like, I believe he should have been fired, right? And I thought at first, you know, um, I thought they were going to – when I found out that the Cardinals were moving on from Mike Schmidt, I thought that should be who they go for. That was my thought process in the beginning, right? That was my thought process. Then they let go. Like, the Yankees have fired the third-base coach. Yeah. After that whole debacle, people will call him for his job. And they also fired two hitting coaches, Marcus Thames and P.J. Uh, Pilatier. Those three dudes are butt buddies with Aaron Boone. Let me ask you something, Jason. When has, when has this ever happened? 
When has a coach's, um, his staff been fired and then they kept you? That just makes no sense whatsoever to me, right? Like you said, it all really came down to you need a guy who's going to challenge these guys. Like the problem with, and it's a whole New York thing. New York needs championships, right? This is not not like the Milwaukee Brewers or, or, or maybe even Philly, but even then I wouldn't even put them in, in that category as well. Or or maybe Chicago, where if you don't win the ring, it is what it is. You just need to be really good and give the t- you know give the fans something to cheer about. The Yankees are not in that boat. They're not like this is a this is a team that demands championships, right? Yeah, and. My whole thing with this is this contract screams to me, Aaron, this is not your fault. It's the player's fault. That's what this contract is screaming to me because this, he's the, I will say this to my dying breath. And some people think I'm just hating when I say this. He is solely the reason he's holding this team back in ways that that's unimaginable. And the reason being, like you said, this team needs a guy who's going to get in your face and yell at you. That's what they need. They need a guy because you know Aaron Judge. He's sometimes he pouts. Giancarlo Stanton is just in his corner and his feeling. Brett Gardner is just bumbling around like some senile idiot who doesn't know what he's doing half the time. And you know, like it's just weird to me. They're the hardest that they're on is Gary Sanchez. And guess what? He steps up. Like every single time they poo poo on him, he sits down and he's like. Just wait till I get an opportunity. And he gets the opportunity and he goes with it. So it's like you're making an example out of Gary Sanchez saying, we're going to start being tough. You got to be tough on everybody. You got to yell at everybody. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a guy who just bounces, like Debbie Garcia, who just bounces from the roster and um, and, and, uh, uh, double A, or if it's, you know, your ace, Garrett Cole, like, who, who, you know, who's your best pitcher, right? Your best hitter, whether you think it's Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton. You need a guy who's going to yell at them to hype them up. That's one thing. If you look around, a lot of guys do that. They get it. Jace Tingler, even though he just got fired, he would get in Manny Machado's face, and he would get in Fernando Tatis Jr.'s face. Not because he thought they were scrubs, but he understood there's times where I need to light that fire. There's times where the wood under you is damp, and it's my job to move that wood Put more wood under you, put some lighter fluid, light a match, and say, let's watch the world burn. And then just drop it. Like, like he understood there's times I need to be like that. Alex Cora does the same thing. Dusty Baker does the same thing. Like, these are guys who, and they're successful. So you can't just be like, you know, oh, you know, Alex Cora, you know, he's, he wanted, he wanted a ring as um, the, uh, if I'm honest, I believe he was the hitting coach in Houston. He won a ring there. Then he won a ring with us, right? Dusty Baker is, I believe, the only manager to win to win a um, to win a division with six different teams. Like, that's crazy. That's what I'm saying, bro. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, this guy's like they're not scrubs or even Tommy Larusa. I'm not the biggest fan of his in the world, but he'll get in your face. So that's kind of been the problem with Boone, where there's times where he needs to do that, and for some reason. Well, it's not really some reason. That's not just not his character. That's not really yeah. him. You know what I mean? That's not. And I, I, my big thing with this is 
why'd you fire Joe Girardi then? Like, why? I don't understand how you're keeping Boone when you got rid of Girardi. Like, that, 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 that's the most mind-boggling thing to me about this. This is, again, I'm not a Yankees fan at all. So when they fired Joe Girardi, I didn't really care. I really didn't. I was like, good rinse. Because I've never been a fan of Joe Girardi's. I've, I've never really vibed with him. But he got them the ring, so I was like, yeah. stick with him, you know? I feel like he wanted to go in one direction and the team wanted to go in another direction. So I feel like it was more like, uh, I don't want to be here and I'm not going to force myself to be here. And the Yankees were like, okay, we didn't want you either. So I feel like that kind of maybe again, I'm not fully sure of what happened with that. Cause like I said, it, it happened, was the analytics, everyone wanted to go towards the analytics side and no. bring in Boone, but no, that's not, that's not Yankees no. baseball. Not bring in the best guys do buy a team and just let them dominate because because you're spending money on these guys who should deserve this money. And when they don't play well, you, you need to get in their face and make them play well. You don't need to say, hey, the, the numbers show that this, this, and this, so maybe we'll do this. Like, no. And what baffles me is this isn't an analytical team. No. Like, that's the – like, bro, they had all lefties – in their lineup, yeah. if if that's not if that's not anti analytical, I don't know what is. Like the Yankees have always been an emotional team, and when I say emotional, I don't mean emotional as in crybabies. I mean emotional as in when you're messing up, you we get in each other's face and we yell at you, and and that that's kind of that's what they do. Frankly, a lot of the East Coast teams are like that, you know. Pittsburgh, when they were when they were relevant with Andrew McCutcheon and uh, Josh Harrison, they were like that. They would get in each other's faces, stuff like that. Philly still do it, even though they're losing. Baltimore, they did it back when they had some success. When you know, when Chris Davis knew how to hit a hit a ball, right? Back before he his striking out was what he was being paid to do. Like back when they you know would make the playoffs here and there and at least try to contend, they you know they would get in each other's face. So. Now it's almost as if the Yankees are trying to turn their back on that, and it's it just doesn't make any sense because not only and again that's uh, Aaron Boone is not a phenomenal coach, he's not. So it's like it's almost as if they and it goes back to what I said in the beginning. This contract screams to me that they're blaming the players, which is it's like Boone, you did what you could, it's their fault. Which is now I'm interested to see how this summer is going to or how this winter is going to play out. Because at some point, they're going to have to move players, right? And it's, I wonder what players they're going to move. Because obviously, they said shortstop, they need to go. They, they need to improve. They need to improve on short. So clearly, that means Glaber Torres is going to be out. But then, if you're saying it's the, are you telling me? That the coach is failing because of one player? Because so far that's the only that's the only thing they're, they're they're really talking about. You know, they're talking about, you know, obviously they want to try to resign, they want to try to resign Anthony Rizzo to solidify first base. Even if they don't, they got Luke Voigt, who still is your premier first baseman. No, but he sure as hell ain't garbage. He still is a solid first baseman, so they still got some stuff there. The only position Jace they've really been talking about is short. So it's like are we going to give Aaron Boone a pass because of one position? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see 
As far as personnel goes, the real problem here is leadership. So, like, if you're if the problem's leadership, you either get rid of the coach or you find one of those. Who are they going to find? Who are they going to get to come in at shortstop and be that leader? Their team's no. retired. You, you don't got that anymore. So, but, so who but here's my pushback to that, Jays. Here's my pushback to that. Because the thing is, let's say, let's say you, you get someone from, from to, to, to do short. Why does that person they get need to be the leader? You see what I'm saying? Like, why can't Aaron Judge or Young Carlos, I'm the, not only the guys who've been there, but frankly, if I ask you who is the best player on the Yankees, if people know what they're talking about, it's going to be one of three names. It's either going to be Gary Cole, Aaron Judge, or Giancarlo Stanton. It's going to be one of those three. Now, Gary Cole, since he's a pitcher, I mean, a lot of people say a pitcher can't be a leader, which I think is dumb because even when they're not pitching, they're on the dugout. So I feel like that could you know, sprinkle in. But for the sake of argument, let's eliminate him. Why can't Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton step up and say, yo, Enough of this BS. This is how it's going to go. And then be that leader because the thing is, is the only really guys you can get to fill the shortstop and the leadership role are guys that you got to give up a lot for. And in, in, in the, the big name they're mentioning is Trevor, is Trevor Story. He's kind of injury prone at this point. And on top of that, if I'm not mistaken, he's on an expiring deal. So it's like you did, you did an expiring deal thing with Rizzo. Let's say he walks. Are you guys going to be still confident to give up even more to get Trevor Story when it's not even guaranteed that he'll stay? Yeah, I, I think uh, another name for someone that has to step up, DJ LeMahieu. This past year was terrible. And I, I think he needs to be that guy because, I mean, the only contact there, you need to get on base. When you get on base, you get everyone else riled up. So, and also you mentioned Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt was that, like, lightning rod whenever he was in. He'd come in, he'd do something, he'd get the team going. So maybe he can bring that leadership in a, a little bit more if he stays healthy. But I do think it, if you're looking for someone on the field now for the Yankees, I think DJ lemayhew has got to be that because, I mean, he's getting older. He got this big contract. He, you saw this year he's not going to be the same. It's not going to be uh, lay MVP anymore. So you, so you have to fill that that leadership role. You got to find a way to be serviceable to this team. Yeah, 100%. And it's crazy because, like, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I think that he had a garbage year. I, I, I genuinely do. But the problem with, like, here's the problem with us saying that, and there's times where I kind of do need to check myself when I say this. We call it a garbage year for DJ LeMahieu, right? Yeah. Like, and that's kind of where I think it works. So I'm sometimes a little unfair to him because he, I mean, he had 10 home runs, which again, he's really not a power guy, right? Mm-hmm. Again, like you said, he's a contact guy. Um, he had 73 um, walks, which is pretty good for him. 116 hits, he batted 268. So it's not garbage, but unfortunately for the guy that we're looking, that we looked at, like, you know, people are saying, you know, MVP, you know, let MVP. And not only that, with the money they gave him. Now, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because, you know, he wasn't fully healthy. So I'm going to be nice and give him the benefit of the doubt, which is a shame that I'm doing this because I should be, like, 
I should be dogpiling on him. They need to let they need they need to let two guys go. I'm talking about just letting ball. Clint Frazier and Brett Gardner. They need to go. Now everyone says obviously Brett Gardner, Gardner. yeah. Definitely. I think Clint Frazier needs to go as well. Because again, it's like the, the, he, he adds nothing. And again, we're looking, like you said, this team, look, if you have a big three, when Garrett Cole, which again, I don't think Garrett Cole is a number one anymore. People get mad at me when I say that, but I just feel like I don't think he's a number one anymore. Just the way he pitched th- this season, not say he's a bum. I think, I think he's a number two now. I, I do. Maybe this season he could prove, you know, he could step back and come back. And, and number two, like, behind who? But, like, who Who realistically is he? No, no, no. He's the best pitcher on the staff. Yes, he's the best pitcher on the staff. But I'm talking about, you know how, like, there's, like, an ace who's, like, the number one almost everywhere he goes. I don't think he's that anymore. I think if he goes in, he'll be a number two pitcher on teams. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know about that. He maybe be a number two for the Dodgers, but that's about it. Well, the Dodgers will probably be number three. <laughs> yeah, he'll probably be number three because you know, and he's probably fighting Clay Kershaw for that one because you know they got they got Walker Bueller over there, and then they yeah. got Max Scherzer. Which, but like, I, but, I don't and, know if I'd go that far. Uh, I, I'm, that's, I'm, that's, I'm going that far I, based on how he's played this season. Um, I think he's right now a number two. I don't. I'm not not say that he can't change that. Maybe he had a bad season. Because a lot of some pitchers do that, you know, they go, they have that one season where you're kind of looking at them like, huh, maybe he's starting to fall off a little bit. And then the next season they come back and all of a sudden they look like phenomenal again, you know. So maybe that's what it was. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hold it too much against him. But regardless, regardless of how you think about it, he's the best pitcher on this team, right? Yeah. And with him being the best pitcher, I feel like, especially with young guys, I feel like if he's not going to be a leader, to the to the well, you know, the full locker room, fine. Maybe he should be a leader to some of the young guys and you know, try to work with them a little more to form, you know, a little bit of a of a I don't want to say a closer bond, but you know, this guy clearly he's the best pitcher on the team. Maybe he can share some of the secrets with them. Because again, they're they the pitching has not been great either, you know? And that that's I feel like that really came down to breaks here and there, which is what made the pitching staff look bad, you know, because they'll go in a rut, and then next thing you know, you know, they'll walk through two guys, and then next thing you know, it's a three-run home run. And like I said, this team is an emotional team. So once they feel down, they're kind of like, fuck, man. You know, like when they're when they're up, they're ecstatic, but then when they're low, it's kind of difficult for them to pick themselves up. So, But to that point, I mean, they with the lack of run support they had all year, like – they're getting down and they're getting to that low every game by like the third. So I mean, and like, it, you, said, it, like you said, with the lack of run support, yeah. if I'm an average pitcher, if you're a James Tyone or or Domingo Herman, you're like, I have to be better than Garrett Cole. I have to be better than Max Scherzer. I have to be the best pitcher because if I give up two runs, there's a chance we're losing because of, you know, like the lack of run support that they were getting. That's kind of in the back of their minds, which is like, that's something which kind of comes down to the leadership, which if, again, if, if even if it's not going to be Garrett Cole, if it's not going to be, if it's not going to be, um, if it's not going to be Aaron Judge, if it's not going to be Giancarlo Stanton, 
then that's kind of all right, fine. If no guys are going to do it, that's the manager's job to step up and say, look, bro, we, somebody here got to pick something up, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like we, you know what I mean? Like we can't just keep coming out here losing, especially when I look at this team, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you're looking at the team, and this was a team that in the, in the before the MLB regular season, people said they were going to win over 100 games, yeah, and that they were going to win the division single handedly, and they were supposed to sweep through the playoffs. You know, yeah. and it's like, and now this is kind of like another question which I I, I kind of want to pose to you, Jace. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a hater, because. Believe it or not, I've been called that, Jeez. Do, do, do you believe that? I've been called the hater, even though I'll, I'll supply I'll supply the evidence that I'm still called the hater. But it is what it is. Did like everyone keeps harping back that one year the Yankees went to the ALCS? If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was 2015. I believe it was 2015 when they lost to Houston. The whole yeah. cheat thing. Ever since then, they have not been back. So here's the question. Is it possible that making to the ALCS, is it possible that that was the anomaly? And what you're seeing now, them kind of being out in the wild card or just making to the, you know, the 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 semi. Is, is it possible that this is the true Yankees team and that them making it to the ALCS was just an anomaly? Um, I, I don't – I, I want to say that. I would say – that someone that they could bring in at that assistant coach and someone who was on that team that showed leadership, CC Sabathia. I think his leadership. He he wasn't even playing, but he was still there. He was still there being a part of the team. I'm I'm going to say this right now. I was never a fan of CC. Never. One of I think, no, no, no. I'm not going to bash him. I promise I'm not going to bash him. Where I learned, where I earned, when I actually not only gave him a whole bunch of respect, but I looked at him different. I believe it was the last one. It was one of his final pitches, uh, one of his uh, final pitching appearances. And he needed to go. I think it was like six innings to get like a bonus in his contract, right? Yeah, they threw at one of his, at one of the players. His next appearance, he was like. Fuck this noise. I'm sending a message. And it's and it said F the money and hit the, hit one of the batters to send a message that you're not messing with these dudes. When I saw that, I was like, he may not be a great coach. Cause I don't know if he would be. I don't know. Yeah. But he would make a phenomenal assistant coach where if the head coach starts losing the locker room, he could step in and be like, nope, that's not happening here. So the fact that you bring up CC Sabathia to be the assistant to help kind of that is honestly not only is that a perfect name, CC still loves the Yankees. Yep. And he's not doing anything. Like he's not, oh. it's not like he's hired anyway. He's not doing anything. So the Yankee can actually reach out to him and say, yo, CC, let me holler at you real quick. And again, a guy with his not only with his credentials, but his balls. Because CC will fight three dudes at once. Like that's one thing I yeah. that's one thing I learned about him. He will fight you for no reason whatsoever. And if you bring your boys, he'll just fight you. He'll fight harder. So that would be a nice name, especially if they if they want an assistant 
just to be the emotional. Like, if they want to run with the analytics, fine, keep Boone, whatever. But for the emotional sake, to bring in a guy like CeCe, that is the best move. And I'll be honest, if they bring in CeCe and make him the assistant, that might that will completely justify this move. Yeah, and I, I think that this is something, if they do and pull it off and stuff works, this is something that could change change the game because we are heading towards that a- analytical side. But it, there is non there's stuff outside the numbers that, that you need to address. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, yeah, CC's got to be the at least the first name that comes to mind, someone who can come in, just be that emotional leader. And, yeah, I, w- I would love to see it, but will happen? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. So. Yeah, 100%. To touch on your point, how you say it will change, it'll change the sport, it really will because now you have two guys that when the analytical side is rolling, you can go with Aaron Boone, and when you need the emotion, CC can just step in or whoever it is. They can step in and take care of it. So I, I do think it could potentially can change the game because think about it. No matter which way you want to play, whether analytic or emotional, you got somebody on the bench. Yeah. And the thing is, if you go to the analytical side, the emotional coach can help them out and be like, yo, look, let's let's use analytics, but let's mask it with emotion so everyone is on the same page. So you you are 100%, bro. This does have potential. Um to change the game. But speaking of potential, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, for some unknown reason, um, don't think basketball is important anymore. Um, And potentially, both of them can be out. Now, I'm not going to go into the reason for Kyrie. Um, Well, I will a little bit. Not not too much, because people are kind of calling them stupid for the whole coronavirus, not, not taking the vaccine thing. And although I kind of agree with that, my whole philosophy is do whatever you want as long as you're willing to live with the consequences. And if Kyrie Irving is willing to live with the consequences, so be it. Ben Simmons and the 76ers. See, growing up, I'm Hispanic, right, Jay? So I used to watch something called novelas, right? So they're so proper. Yeah, yeah. So I used to watch him. One of my favorite was Diamond Chocolate, right? It was a guy, you know, he owned a a chocolate factory and he had like a girl who was working for him. She was ugly, but she had makeup and she was cute and they ended up getting married. It was adorable, right? This this 76er situation, I swear to God, is the best novella I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) Like, it's got everything you want. Better than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Way better. Way better. You want to know why? Because I'm going to tell you why. I think it's better because... But with Aaron Rodgers, we we got a nice conclusion, and it looks yeah. cute. But we all know we're all still waiting for it to blow up, right? Yeah. This thing blew up three times over, and there's still TNT chilling in the back. So, Jace, who do you think can legitimately is going to play first, Ben or Kyrie? Um, I, I think it's going to be Ben. But uh, as far as Kyrie Irving goes, his situation, um, I, I get it. If that's something you actually truly believe on, look at the coach Washington State. He just got fired because not not getting vaccinated. But he's fighting for it. He's suing the school. He he's doing everything he can to stand up and show and be that voice. Kyrie, you're a political. I mean, you're a public figure. If this is something you truly believe and you have you have a belief and you actually feel this way about it, you, you got to come out and you got to make your voice heard. You can't just be quiet and let everyone else paint the narrative because I think that's something he he does terribly. He just is quiet, lets everyone else do their own thing, let everyone else speak for him and figure stuff out. 
Well, for Ben Simmons, uh, it's it, it's weird because it like I I get where he's coming from. Like you have Same. not Same. only not only the fans coming at you relentlessly because we all know how Philly fans are. They're coming at you relentlessly. You have whisperings of people in the front office and around the team talking about it. And you you really – you haven't done anything all that wrong. You, you have, Just because you can't shoot as good as everyone else and we're in a league where everyone loves the three-point shot and because – you you just can't figure it out. You 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 can't. You're still a great playmaker. You're still a great defensive player. A couple in 2008 was anyone calling for Rajon Rondo's head because he couldn't no. shoot threes? This Not is ridiculous. If anything, they were glad to say, "Oh, he Rajon Rondo is the prototype to the guy who can't shoot and survive in the league." So it's it's wild. Yeah, it's crazy for Benson, and I, I I get it. You're you're being he is being a little devious, especially with the practice and that stuff, and uh, coming in saying he's got tightness and the, 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 the training staff's all like, "What are you talking about? Your back's fine." <laughs> but I, no, I and I respect him for coming out earlier and saying, "Yo, it's just it's really just my mental health. It's really just mentally, I just can't be here because it's toxic." And yes. I respect him for from for doing that because you should have done that right off the bat. Yes. Yeah, and mental health is real. And if yeah. you're in an environment where you can't thrive, he's doing great. Even in this terrible environment, he was still runner up for defensive player of the year. So, I mean, if you're excelling in a toxic environment, imagine what you can do outside of that. Let him know. Now he's he's forcing he's and he has to do it. He has to advocate for himself. That's why he's doing this. That's why he's trying to force a, a trade to get out of here. If I'm Ben Simmons, honestly, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he goes to the league and reports it because of how toxic this situation has been for him. Because it, it, it's it's real. Like if you're ha- he's having mental health issues, and everyone is pointing the finger and making him feel bad about it when, and, and it's not right. He he did. He's not a scorer. He never was a scorer. So why why are we trying to make him something he's not? Just let him do his thing, do what he does well, and, and just live with the consequences of it. He, it's it's ridiculous. And Philly fans, I, I love my boy Lucas. I love Lucas from posting up. But, man, just it, seeing him switch on Ben Simmons that quickly. Why? It was it's crazy. Wild, but the Philly fans—they're ruthless. They're ruthless. They're idiots, is what they are. They're idiots. I'll, probably, I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, with Kyrie, um, like I said before, there's going to be consequences with everything you do. Just understand, Kyrie. Whatever you choose to do, there will either be good consequences or bad consequences. You're going to have to live with the with the outcome of whatever happens, right? On top of that, which is not only with that, not only will, with him not getting the shot, that, that makes him virtually untradeable because a lot of teams in the league are kind of like, well, we need to get vaccinated so that way we can play everywhere. People kind of forget this. Because of that, the Nets pulled the extension offer. So let's say he ends up getting vaccinated. 
Who's to say that he's not going to throw another pout and go, well, I want, I'm not going until I get signed. That's, that, that's a possibility with Kyrie. Look, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Kyrie is what you call a pick-me. He's a pick-me. For those of you who don't know what a pick-me is, it's someone who craves for attention. You know when you go to school and there's always that kid who, when the teacher asks a question, raises his hand and says, pick me, pick me, pick me. That's a pick me, right? There's all, everyone you know that in your life. If you're in a group chat and you got that one person blowing your phone up, right? Desperate for the attention. That's a pick me, right? If, 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 if we're all going out and we're all chilling and all of a sudden someone goes, damn, bro, I'm ugly as ever. Fishing for a compliment, that's a pick me. Kyrie Irving is a pick me, which is nuts to me because you're a professional athlete. You got all the attention you want, but it's not enough. All of a sudden, oh yeah, bro, I, I wanted it. I'm... So for me, I don't honestly, I don't know if he'll step on the court again. I don't, and yes, the reason is, and the reason I think that is because with this stand, first he was anti-vax. Now he's not anti-vax. He just feels bad because of the mandate. Now it's not that. It's I'm fighting for the little man who got no voice because they're losing jobs over the the, the mandate. The dude is switching up so much. It's almost like, bro, do you really even have a cause? Because it's a lot of switching up. And like you said, he's not really speaking up like that. He's really not. A couple, like, the the, the, the very little information we've gotten from him was him going live on Instagram. That's really it. And he only did it like two, three times. He hasn't done it like that. So it's not like when people have legit questions, they can go and ask him. And on top of that, you know, look, the Nets are not in a position where they desperately need Kyrie. No. You have James Harden and Kevin Durant, two of the top, what, six at worst players? Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, they're kind of in a place where they can kind of, in a way, live without him. I do agree with you. I do think Ben Simmons will play first. The uncertainty with Kyrie is way too murky because – with Ben Simmons, it's all it's mostly basketball. When it comes to Kyrie, it's all it's now out external things, right? Because now we need does he even still want to play? If I'm gonna tell you this right now, if a dude gotta ask you if you still want to play the game of basketball, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. When you're doing something wrong, right? And whatever he chooses to do, like I said, he just needs to be able to live with the consequences. It is what it is. When it comes to Ben Simmons, I've been on Team Ben since the beginning. And I'm not even a Philly fan at all. I've been team Ben from the beginning. The guy doesn't have a jump shot. I, I would prefer he had one so people would get off him. But Ben Simmons without a jump shot to imply that he's a horrible player shows that you're just a casual. You're just another casual to me. And I just will not, I, I won't talk to you. That's the litmus test nowadays. Go up to somebody and says, what do you think about Ben Simmons? If they say he's trash, thank you. Have a nice day. And that, that, that's it. That's it. Ben Simmons unfortunately for some unknown reason have they've been bashing him and blaming him and they're saying oh yeah it's all his fault right was it his fault when he was locking down Trey Young was it his fault when Joel Embiid was had eight turnovers was that Ben Simmons fault it, it, and if, if they want to blame Ben Simmons for the negative what about the positive without Ben Simmons you guys aren't the number one seed no, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, go ahead. And I, I especially after this season, he, this last season, you see Giannis take take the Bucks to to the championship and win. And Giannis doesn't have a jump shot. Yeah, it's slowly getting better, but he's still not 
a, a dead eye from, from three-point land. But he was still the best player out there. He was still able to get it done. And Giannis, Ben Simmons is better than Giannis defensively, in my opinion. And he can play make a lot better. Yep. So Giannis can get to the get to the basket better, shoot better than Ben Simmons. But but that's just I don't get it. I just don't get it. And with these guys, I just I Ben Simmons is so good. And to have you have people devalue him just because he can't shoot a three, those are the people that play as the Warriors on 2K and yeah. every draw, every play, it's just Bring Steph Curry up to the fa- uh, half court shot, take a three, That's and it. just live with it. Yeah, and the thing is, like I said, what I want him to have one, yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend he's garbage because he doesn't have one because a lot of the intangibles that you can't teach guys, he has it. He has phenomenal IQ. He can handle the ball. And for a guy his size, think about this. He's a guy who can guard one through five comfortably without hesitation. You, you put him in the pick and roll, and he'll go, yo, don't even worry about it. I got it. Who got to, whoever got ball, I, I, that's my responsibility. This guy can do it all, and the only knock on him is, okay, yeah, he's got a bad jump shot. Or he doesn't have a jump shot, and he's tentative, and, and he's tentative in fourth quarter. Okay. Now, do me a favor. Name me another flaw. Oh, you can't because this kid, is, this kid has virtually all. Bro, I'm going to tell you right now. When you're getting called, you're a jump shot away from being LeBron. You can't sell me that the guy's trash. You can't sell me that because I'm not yeah. buying that stock at all. You know what I mean? Like this dude, this kid does it all great, and they want to pretend like, bro, like you Philly fans. And this is why I said Philly fans are stupid. Yeah, do understand something. Ben, like Ben Simmons, has been holding y'all down since he got in the league. Joel and B can't finish a season. That's true. When Joel and B's not there, Ben Simmons is more comfortable, and we see him take over. We see him look great. But the team wants to run through Joel and B, so it's like, what do you want the kid to do? And or listen, he's not a natural jump shooter. He's not right. Mm-hmm. When you're not a natural jump shooter, when it comes to jump shots, there's this thing, Jace. I don't know. You probably never heard of it because it, it's it's. It's a very difficult word, not only to say, but to comprehend, right? Um, Rhythm, okay? In order to be a good jump shooter, when you're not a jump shooter, you need a rhythm. If they're running every single play, they're desperate to run the play through MB, Ben Simmons is having less touches and less of a chance to shoot. And here's the part that bothers me. Here's the part that bothers me. Everyone loves Zion Williamson. I love him. Uh, personally, I think he's way better than John Morant. I, I think when their careers are said and done, John Morant will be lucky if Zion lets him even say his name. And I'm not even kidding. Like, that's genuinely how I feel. I, I might have to eat those words later down the road, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Zion still doesn't have a reliable jump shot. Nope. And people still worship the ground the guy walks on. So to me, it's like, hold on, wait a minute. Ben Simmons, his rookie year, people were saying he needed a jump shot. So my thing is, why don't we have the energy for everybody else? Why? Yeah. Is it, oh, wait. It's because we – go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. I'll tell you why, because he's a point guard. Everyone – guards have to shoot. Like I came in here last time, Giannis, I give him the slide for his jump shot because I see him more as a center or a power forward. 
Zion, same deal. That, that's why they don't need to shoot. Yes, it would be nice if they could, but they don't. He's a point guard, so everyone assumes guard, jump shot. They, they, that's not the case. Not Can you imagine if Brooklyn right now was like, Jan, uh, James Harden's trash because he, he's really bad at defense. He's trash, garbage. That's the same thing you get, you're get. you getting right here. Same thing. That's the same exact thing. Same thing. It's literally the same thing. And on top of that, what's wild to me is I don't care what I don't care how good the player is, right? If you're telling me, if I'm the second best player on the team and say, hey, look, man, you are a pillar of this team and we want to build around you and MB. If I say that to a player as an organization, why would I try to trade him? Like this is the this is the part people are forgetting. The team was built around them too. Oh, by the way, Joel Embiid, um, before I forget, because he said the, the world's dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. We're building the team around him. No, you moron. They're building the team around you. Henceforth, they've been trying to get a point guard to back up Ben Simmons for how long? How long? For like ever since he came in the league, poor dude. They've been trying to get a point guard to replace him, right? Yeah. Ask me how many, how many guard, how many centers have they got to replace you and beat? None. They just want to, they just want a backup side, but when you want to take a rest. So for him to say that, you are you are the dumbest guy on God's green earth. I, frankly, I don't even know why people even listen to him anymore because a lot of the stuff he says is very stupid. Um, but uh, for, in terms of Ben Simmons, I just feel bad. I really do. I don't think it's fair. I think he takes a lot of poo-poo for absolutely no reason because he, he it's easy to blame him. It's easy to blame him, right? Because he's got a glaring flaw he can't shoot. And it's easy to, to hop on that and blame him for losing. But again, if you guys want to hit your horse to Joel Embiid, I'm saying this now, Jace. I don't care who they get. They can get Dame Lillard for all I care. They're not gonna go anywhere. Because if you're hitching your if you're hitching everything to Joel Embiid, a guy who's consistently showed you health is literally working against him. You're gonna regret it. They're gonna regret it, and they're gonna look back to this to this era of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and say, "Damn, bro, I, I wish I wish you never took Ben for granted." Because that's what they're doing. And like you said, he's he's been to three straight All Stars in this toxic environment. Imagine if he can go outside and smell some fresh air somewhere else. Imagine, imagine coming to work and wanting to work. Oh, I'm going to try hard. I'm going to try hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly could. Once Ben Simmons feels like that, I'm telling people this. When he gets traded, we're going to see a jump shot from him. It won't be the best, but he'll, he'll show something. Because I genuinely feel at this point it's really make or break for him. Because he needs to go out and show, I have it. I can do something, right? Now, yeah. now that being said, I don't think that Ben Simmons, as he is, he can still go find a place in this league. He can still go be somewhere and help. Because if he goes, because Brooklyn doesn't want him. But if he goes to Brooklyn, guess what? We're going to play him at the four. He's there for defense, and it is what it is. If you put him in Golden State, you can have Steph running like a madman off the ball, doing his thing. If you put him with the Clippers, guess what? He's the third guy, and he can facilitate. Now, I, I, I um, on uh, Wednesday, uh, I had um, had Chris here. We were doing trade things for him. Um, I wanted to do the Clippers, but it's so messy because the Clippers have no yeah. 
no no draft capital at all. So they basically would have to trade everyone on their roster except for Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, um, possibly Zubac. Like it, 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 they wouldn't even have a starting five. Sick. Yeah, so it'd be a mess. But if 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 they could figure out something. <laughs> the like Lakers that. did it with AD though, right? They figured out a way to get that done. Yeah, but it, it's because of the young players, right? Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to these guys, they only really have one. I'm a little bit of two young players, Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, right? But at the same time, they're still they're probably gonna want more. No, but if, if if they could just give up those two for him, I think it'll be great. But man, I'm telling you, I I genuinely I do think I think Ben will play first. But at at this point, I I genuinely feel like people are not only disrespecting Ben Simmons, but at some point he's gonna come back and he's gonna slap somebody. And when he slaps him, because listen, he a quiet dude. Don't mess with those quiet guys. Don't do it. You can mess with a guy like me because I like to scream and be hoopla and all that stuff. So I'll talk with you for 15 minutes before we fight. And by the time I've done so much talking, you've gotten bored and walked away. Don't do it with Ben. I'm telling you, don't do it with Ben. And B, you fragile as is, he'll hurt you. He'll put paws on you. And Tobias Harris over there in the corner trying to give him dirty looks. Tobias, he'll slap you back to Detroit. Stop playing with the man. Let him live his life. I'm telling people, leave the man alone. I will say before we move on, can you really blame Ben Simmons for not being tentative taking jump shots after he witnessed Markel Fultz get shipped out of there? And that jump shot. And, and, and that's the point people never really want to talk about. They, look how quick they did it to Markel Fultz. And in Ben Simmons' mind, it's like he was supposed to be the big three. Like he was supposed to be the guy that helps us. They traded him that quick. Oh, I'm not shooting. I don't blame him at all because he just witnessed firsthand. Because and especially with him hearing his name in trade rumors, in his mind he's like, I'm, I'm not untouchable. And in his mind he's like, I'm not trying to get traded to some dog shit team. I'm at least trying to get paid if I'm if that's gonna happen. So, I, I it it sucks for Ben. I hope, like I said, I hope we see him somewhere else. And I'm gonna tell you this right now. When he gets traded, I, I, I want to have you back on the show because depending on the team he goes to, he might win a chip before Joel Embiid. And when that happens, I want Ben Simmons to be nice, have you know, take the mic when they do the talk and things. Like, you know, I appreciate the fans. By the way, fuck Philly. Like, I, I yeah. demand he says that. If he doesn't say that, I'm no longer on Team Ben. And I'm not joking. Like, I need him to be petty like me. I, I'm talking about I'm so petty, bro, that, like, if my girl takes too much of the blanket, I'm mad at her in the morning. That's how I need Ben Simmons. I need Ben Simmons to be so petty, bro. Uh, I, I'd love to see it, but I'm not going to I'm not gonna blame him if he doesn't. No, nah, because nah, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy. But speaking of pause, Paulo Costa, Mr. Oh, I drink too much. This this guy. He faces Marvin Vittori tomorrow night. Well, it was supposed to be a middleweight bout. All of a sudden, he gave him a light heavyweight bout because Paul Costa talked about, I didn't know I was supposed to fight. Okay? It is what it is. That was the ultimate excuse he threw at us. I didn't know we were supposed to fight. But tomorrow night, who gets the win? Well, I mean, this is ridiculous for Paul Costa. I mean, middleweight. Then they'd agreed to catch weight at 195. Yep. Now we're back up to light, light heavyweight. Because uh, it's a catch weight, and he still was going to miss weight. <laughs> Let that sink 
again. You're going to miss your, your middleweight. You're going to miss middleweight. You go to Vittori, and Vittori goes, you know what? Fine. Catch weight. 195. You're still going to miss the weight, and you then you got to go back and bump it up more? Ooh. But go ahead. And, and, and all you're doing is losing a little bit of money. We're, we're in a, a sport where you're getting punched in the face and all this stuff. You're, you're cheating by missing weight. The, screw PEDs and all that stuff. This is the biggest form of cheating in combat sports. You're doing this, and, and you're going to get a knockout win against Vittori. And I I just pray. This fight really shouldn't happen. Kudos to Marvin Vittori for being like, bring it on, MFR. Let's go. Let's get it. I don't care what way you're at. But I, I Dana, after this fight, Paulo Costa should no longer be ranked number two at middleweight. He should be ranked number two or one at, at light heavyweight. And I'm actually very excited to see Paulo Costa at light heavyweight because I, I think he can dominate that division. It's the land of the dinosaurs right now. I think he's got the power. He can come in and do – he is so much like Yoel Romero. That That's what I wanted Yoel to do. I, I've ye- – Years I, I, I wanted Yoel to move up to light heavyweight, just fight off all these dinosaurs there, maybe get a fight with John Jones, but that all happened. Would that have what that happened? But uh so I think Paul Costa, while he's still young, you know you can't beat Izzy. If 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 that is your only excuse, if that if your excuse is I drank too much, you're ridiculous, you're trying to make excuses, you know deep down in your heart. He beat you. He, he you can't he, you can't beat him again. So move up, go take on the dinosaurs, get a belt, and then you can actually fight Adesanya again, and it'll be bigger. It'll be bigger, and Adesanya will probably move up. And you saw what he looked at at light heavyweight. You're a bigger guy. It might be it might be a little bit more favorable to you. But Paul Costa, yeah, I, I mean. I'm excited to see him in light heavyweight. This is a disgrace to what he did. Missing weight. It's disgusting. Yep. And it, there it needs to be there, there needs to be more consequences. But I'm excited to see him in light heavyweight because I think he could be a real contender at light heavyweight. But let's hope Dana does the right thing and keeps him there instead of after this going back to middleweight. Because it's just gonna be another another catch weight fight after that, or something like that. Right, which again, this is something I don't understand. He wants a rematch, yet you're fighting catchweight. You are now literally taking steps backwards. Because if you're fighting catchweight, the only vibe you're sending is, ah, uh, yeah, either I can't make the weight or I don't want to make the weight. Either way, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Now, Paul Costa at that light, light heavyweight, I do want to see that. I really do. Now, if it'll work, I don't know, but. The only problem I had was he's fighting at light heavyweight against a middleweight. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, unfortunately, I think Paulo Costa will win. I think, he's gonna, like you said, by knockout. This is one thing I will say. If Mar- Marvin Vittori loses, I'm going to be glued to the ranking, to the UFC rankings page for four days. If Marvin Vittori drops, I swear to God I'm punching my monitor. And I'm not joking. I will break my monitor. Marvin Vittori better not be penalized in any way, shape, or form. Because not only 
Not only did he know this guy's going to be out of weight, not only did he agree to the catch weight, but he went up and said, we'll do light heavyweight. It is what it is. This event not being canceled. The fact that the man had the balls to do that, I'm not penalizing him at all. No. I'm not penalizing him at all. What should happen is, even if he loses, he should move up because Paulo Costa should move over to the light heavyweight rankings. If I'm Dana White, I sit him down. Right after that fight, I sit him down. I go, you got two moves. You got two options. Either A. Oh, and by the way, before, matter of fact, I'll touch on that point in a minute. But if I'm Dana White, I sit him down. I go either A, do you want to stay here? You're going to be in light heavyweight. You don't want to? Cut him. Get him out of here. Because I, I'm not liking this. And if you let him stay, you are now setting a very bad precedent. Yes. And this is something. And this is the same guy who says, oh, I'm not getting paid enough. Hmm. I wonder why. Because every other day you're doing something finable. Huh, is that maybe a a reason for why you're not getting paid as much as you want to get paid? That's one. And two, are you a champ? Uh, No, bitch. This is something I've been 100% against with a fighter saying, oh, we don't get paid enough. That's not how it works. I'm not, when you, when it, when it's a, when it's something like that, you, I'm not going to pay you if you're not good. Look, man, there's only, there's only, there's only one guy in each division that I'm going to pay a stupid amount of money. And that's a champion. And the only reason they get in that is because they get a share. If I'm not mistaken, the UFC, all the champions on the card get a share of the buy of the of the buy rate. Yeah, yeah of, 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 of the paper. They, they, get, they get a share of it. Those are the only people who will make a top dollar. Those are the only people. I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, well, what about the other guys? Get good. Get good. And here's my rebuttal to it. An NBA player, you are not going to see a guy like Peyton Pritchard, who is on um who was on, on my Celtics. Dude is not going to get paid on the same level as Luca, Because the talent is different. So I don't want to, oh, well, we're getting punched in our face. You don't like it? Find another profession. And on top of that, people forget the UFC, it's still young. So can we stop pretending like people want to compare it to boxing? I'm like, fam, you know how old boxing is? It's established. Like at this point, you just say the word boxing and the money prints. Like that's how it, even though it, even though it's kind of dying, it's starting to revive itself again. It's, I believe it's starting to trend in the right direction. No, in boxing, they'll fuck it up again, but that's neither here nor there. The UFC is still young. And they need to tell Paulo your Paulo either A, you're going to see, you're going to come here. We're going to say, all right, we're going to move you to light heavyweight. You don't want to do light heavyweight? That's fine. That's fine. You don't want to do light heavyweight? Guess what? Your pocket's going to feel light because you out the door, you unemployed. Because I'm not going to do this thing. And on top of that, I'm going to say this right now. I said it, uh, Jace. I think you heard it. I, you might have read it in the group chat as a joke. I said Martin Vittori should get a title shot just for dealing with it. I, the more I say it, the more we should just reward the kid for putting up with this. I, I no lie. Like, we should reward the kid. And I'm going to say this right now. If he, if Marvin Vittori beats Paul Acosta, he, he's getting he's getting first crack. I don't, get, I don't care. He's getting first crack after Robert Whitaker does his thing. And I feel bad. I, I really do feel bad because, you know, Jared is coming up and Derek Brunson's going to want his his shot. But in a in a division where, because Izzy kind of owns it right now, it's kind of the same thing with Usman. You're going to see a lot of twos, a lot of threes. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of rematches, right? At this point, I'm looking for the guy who wows me the most. And if you're a middleweight and you can beat a light heavyweight, you're wowing me. 
to the yeah. point where I have no choice but to push you up, and I don't care how mad everybody else gets. No, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I just think the zero and two. I, I don't think you a, a trilogy isn't isn't all that great. But I mean, this was stylistically already at middleweight a uh, 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 bad matchup for Vittori, and, and now Costa's making you come to light heavyweight. Like all, all the odds are stacked uh, against Vittori. So if he can pull off a, a win like this, I it, it would be. It'd be wild and it'd be great. And yeah, yeah, maybe maybe he does get it. I mean, if I Adesanya takes care of business of Whitaker first, it could be like a the old school Ali days where Izzy has a bum of the month month club and he's just keeps defending it every month. Uh maybe Vittori can find himself in there. But uh right. yeah, I, I I I I'm not mad at that, but I don't see it happening. I mean I mean, again, it could be. I mean, look, I'm like, I'm not a Marvin fan at all, but the because look, any other fighter would say, nah, I'm not wasting my time with this. And the fact that Marvin Vittori, like I said, if he beats Paulo Costa, if you don't want to give him the title shot, fine. He needs to be number two. He's taking Paulo Costa's spot, and if he loses, Dana, keep messing with me, dog, because ain't no way Marvin Vittori should drop for this. Because at the same time, and I think also what's happening is because Paulo Costa. I also said this in the group chat. Holocaust is making himself look dumb at this point. I think Dana White sees that. So I think what Dana's trying to do is play a game with him and force him in a position where, dude, you do understand that this, this thing you're, you're putting out there, you're going to get – no, when you when we cut you, you're going to get – like no one's really going to want to care for you. And if you think what we're paying is bad, the next best place we'll probably pay you is what? Bellator. And even then, Bellator is really not going to break the check that much for you. At best, you'll make the same you're making here. And if you think one championship, uh, one championship is paying pay, paying like that, bro, you went for a rude awakening. You went for a rude awakening. You know, so it's like I, I will say this. Like I said, I, unfortunately, I think Paul Costa is going to win by knockout. Um, after that, if, if he celebrates. I would cut him out there on the spot. But Dana White's going to have to sit him down and have a conversation with him. Bro, if you want to stay here, this little bull job you pulled, no, 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 no. We're not going with that. So if, if this is if this is what we're playing, if this is the game we're playing, well, guess what, bitch? Call me the king because check me. I'm well, I'm coming for you. And you, if you want to be here, light heavyweight. If not, go ahead the door. Dude, I, I agree with you. I, I do. But I, I would not be shocked if even if he wins – He's back at middleweight, Paul Costa is, because, I mean, we've seen it before. Anthony Rumble Johnson, same thing. We had so many fights at welterweight, not making weight, middleweight, not making weight. Then he finally, eventually, all so many fights later, got to light heavyweight. And then uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, Yoel Romero, he, he had weight issues as well, and he, he never fought at light heavyweight. He kept having those weight issues at middleweight, and they, they never gave him – they never bumped him up, so I, I, I hate it. I, I wish that after this, Paul Costa makes the jump to light heavyweight because I think that would be fun to see. But I would not be surprised if he still stays at middleweight and nothing changes. Uh, if, if they're gonna put him at middleweight, he he needs to be unranked and he's gonna need a recline because at this point, it's seeming ridiculous. You did, but at the same point, I get what you're saying because. 
as much as we hate to admit it, we have seen this before. Guys who couldn't make the weight. Now, uh, you know, with Rumble, Khabib, you know, Khabib was like that too. Right early in his career, he was. So it's it, it's well, it was actually, early because he, if I'm not mistaken, one of the Tony fights was the one of the times that he had the Tony fight was canceled because he couldn't make weight. No, yeah, I do want to. It, it's not the same as Khabib because Khabib, like, actually, like, had liver failure and kidney failure. But uh, and stuff from cutting weight, but it, I mean, it it is also kind of the same because Khabib at that time was walking around at like two or five. Yeah, that's why like, you just that. need a nutritionist. It's not that hard. No. Get a nutritionist. Get no. someone to understand it because yeah. it, it it's not that hard. Just take a little bit of your paycheck. Okay, if you're not getting paid. As much as you want, all right. But you still have enough to pay your trainers. You yep. can give a little bit more to a nutritionist to get you ready to make the money on the fight so you aren't yeah. actually losing. So he's losing 20% of his purse. Pay 5% to your nutritionist. And then you're still gaining 50 a net. Yes. normal. And that's the part that blows my mind. Because for him to say, oh, bro, you know, it's not enough. Bro, when you miss weight, you're 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 losing twenty percent of your purse. That hits way harder than if you do five percent just to get a nutrition. And it's again, we're talking about, bro. I'm gonna put it to you this way, bro. I'm gonna put it to you this way. If Uriah Hall can afford a nutritionist, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he's he's ranked ten. Paulo, you're two. You can afford a nutritionist. There ain't no debate here whatsoever. If 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 Jim Crew, who's a heavyweight, who by the way. I love him. Oh my God. Like, if I'm gonna see, I think he lost uh, um Anthony Smith to with those with those leg kicks and his yeah. nerves kind of shut down. And he looked like he looked like he figures like, I love the guy because he tried to fight, he tried to fight through it. Ooh, that guy was tickling me. But if he can afford a nutritionist, Paul Costa, you got no, you got no. And what's sad about it, what makes him lose credibility is when he lost, instead of saying, I took an L, going back to drug war. He said it's because he drank. So that tells me one of two things, which both are equally wrong. Either A, you lied about it, and you're, you're, you look dumb, or B, you actually did drink, which is equally, if not dumber, the night before the biggest fight of your career. So for him to say that, he really thought, oh, yeah, I got all that. It's like, no, bozo, you got yourself, because if you really did drink the night before, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, and, and to think, like, you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu you, you the Never excuses right there. I could, I should have taken it to the ground. I got too, too happy with, with this. That excuse is there, but no, you're not learning from your mistakes. Nope. You're just putting it on something else. I mean, I, I ever since he came into the UFC, he, he just has that look like an arrogant prick, and he's just he's proving you wrong. I mean, he's proving me right just every time he opens his mouth. He's he's an asshole, and. I, I he's great watching in the in the octagon because he knocks people unconscious and it's awesome to see. But I mean, outside you're just an arrogant prick and got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. Yep, he has to. Hopefully, he can because you know he's running out of chance with the UFC because you know when when he gets cut, there's there's a chance that he might fade into obscurity, which sucks for a guy as talented as him, but. Like they say, it is what it is. You know, like when it comes to any sport, it can survive without you, no matter no matter what your name is. So, hopefully, you can get his stuff together. 
follow us on Twitter at Prideful Takes. Um, not only do I go live there, but I also like to I put news and I, you know, I'll be trash talking people, which by the way is the funniest yeah. thing on, on earth, bro. People get mad at me all the time. I've been blocked already, by the way. I, yeah. I, I yeah, I've been blocked already. Dude, I got blocked by one of the McCowns, Josh McCown. I think it was uh it was 2015. He, he was on the Browns. He played the Jets. He tried diving, and then he did, like, a helicopter thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, I said, this is why you play for the Browns. Uh, so, something about him getting a concussion, and he blocked me. So, oh, yeah. No, but, no, see, my story's not that cool. I got blocked by a random. He was basically, like, saying Ben Simmons was trash, and I kind of said no. And then the last tweet he said is, you're an idiot. And then I went to tweet at him. I couldn't find him. And then I went back to like all the, the, the threat. And it was like, oh, yeah, this person blocked you. And I was like, success. So one down, about a million more to go. Catch us on Facebook at Prideful Takes. Not only do I go live on Facebook, but I be putting up news, memes, all that good shizness on there. If you don't have Facebook, you're in luck. I'm on YouTube at Prideful Takes. You have every single episode up there live, and then it'll stay up there afterwards as well. Visit the website, www.pridefultakes.com. Not only do we have every episode there, but we also have original articles. You can check us out. Check that out. Like I say every single week, I'm ugly as shit. So that's why I have Spotify, Prideful Takes Podcast. That way you'll be able to listen. Jace, no, no, CM Punk. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Next time you're here, I am blasting. I hope I don't have to pay royalties. I am blasting Cult of Personality. <laughs> And I am going, I'm, I'm going to love that. So, Jace, just be prepared uh, for that, brother. Thanks for having me on, brother. Appreciate it. I love it. I love it. I love it when you're here. So, on behalf of my boy, Jace, I'm sorry, CM Punk. It's your boy, Pride. Catch you guys on the next one. Be safe. Knew where that was going. That was a great read. Ooh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the chew on the season. Second and one for the Bills. They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's out. To Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks. Oh.